Zen and the Art of Ambulance Chasing. Hi, I'm Neil Headley. Welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, March 28, 2022. I'm taking a rare step with this week's piece and sending a printed copy by mail to each member of its primary intended audience. Because while, yeah, I want to share this message with you as well, there really are three people, or in my worst nightmare, three groups of people who it's really intended for. And the idea of the intended audience is what this is all about. If you go back to our talk from a couple of weeks ago called Don't Find a Niche, Find the Right Niche, we cover the importance of knowing exactly who you're talking to, drilling down far enough that when you're creating content for them, whether that's advertising materials or a podcast episode, they're almost a corporeal entity and the importance of committing to speaking directly to that person in a way that you never let them down. Not only does that prevent you from generating content that your audience won't have use for, it also frees you up to talk to them in ways that maybe you hadn't thought of before. There was a similar thread in a piece that we did called Norm MacDonald, Marketing Genius, about giving your potential customers things that resonated with them instead of whatever happened to be the easiest thing to check off on your marketing to-do list. But perhaps most importantly, knowing and honoring your intended audience prevents you from insulting them, or worse. Recently, I was in Hamilton, Ontario, city of around three-quarters of a million people. It's about a half-hour's drive west of Toronto to give a talk to some local business leaders. While I was there, I went on this extended walk where I took the photo that you can see on our website at knopstudios.com. And it might really help your perspective if you were to take a peek at it. We've posted it on our Twitter account, too. I'll have a link in the show notes. It's a photo of three large billboards that are crammed onto a single outdoor installation, one on the top, two at the bottom corners, like a triangle, with advertising for three different personal injury law firms. It's directly across the street from Hamilton General Hospital. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. Directly across the street from a hospital, three billboards, for personal injury lawyers on the same sign. So let's think about the intended audience for these billboards for a second. And I mean, really put ourselves in their shoes. And forgive me because I'm going to get really granular here. Getting down to the absolute basics. Who needs a personal injury lawyer? Well, for starters, it's far fewer of us than personal injury lawyers would have you believe. But that aside, it's either a person who's been injured or the family of a person who's been injured. They've just been through something. As one of the billboards suggests, it might be the worst event of their life. They're probably feeling a million emotions, facing a hundred decisions, and now they've been presented with another one. But more about that later. Let's take a look from the potential customer's perspective on the information presented in these ads. If we're going clockwise, like what's in the photo, there's choice A, a photo of a non-white woman with a line that says, they were there for me during the worst event of my life. Now, that line doesn't come with attribution, so it might be a line from a happy customer. It might be a line dreamed up by the person who created the ad. It might have been said by the woman in the photo, but we don't know. It then offers the name of the firm in really tiny letters and no contact information. So even if I wanted to call them, I have to now Google them 
figure out if the firm that Google gives me is the same as the firm in the ad, and then I can make a phone call. Choice B doesn't have any photography, just the color yellow to highlight the three things on the billboard that the firm believes are the most important. The word injured, the word accident, and the word hurt in the phone number. They also emphasize the name of the firm, which is smart because locally their radio commercials feature what you could describe as a catchy jingle that pretty much everybody in town knows. If you want to be known as the personal injury firm with the catchy jingle. So anyway, hopefully you see the name and that triggers the memory of the radio jingle in your head and there's enough familiarity there that you're willing to try to figure out how to spell the word hurt on your phone. Choice C is a picture of a couple of white guys, the word injured, the name of the firm, and a less easy to remember phone number that ends with what I'm willing to bet was the year the firm was founded, which makes it a much less catchy phone number 30 something years later. So as someone who's been in advertising in one form or another for 40 years, I can tell you that each of these individual ads fails on some level. And you and I can have a conversation about that offline if you want. What's far more egregious, though, is the strategy of having them all lumped together. To begin with, putting all three ads on the side of the same building forces the same kind of competition that made the yellow pages such a terrible investment. Look, if you're advertising in the same visual place as one or more of your competitors, the automatic winner is whoever has the best ad, best in terms of visual impact or placement or whatever criteria you use to evaluate best. It's why I'll bet you have a pizza place in your town called AAA Pizza. It's a throwback to the days of the Yellow Pages where the important thing, the most important thing, was being the first one listed in any given category. Because even if your pizza was garbage, you'd pick up some customers by virtue of being the first ad that they saw. Or, in the real glory days of the Yellow Pages, You'd see full-page ads for pizza places in a visual attempt to scream the loudest for someone's attention. But putting three ads for personal injury lawyers across the street from a hospital doesn't scream for their attention. It screams desperation, and it reinforces the worst stereotypes about ambulance-chasing lawyers because, in this case, they figured out they don't even need to chase the ambulances if they can just ambush them at their destination. Now, you're probably expecting the music to come in there if you've been listening to this show before, and I could have used that as a mic drop moment and walked away, but I wanted to offer a solution instead. And one day, I'm going to take another walk past Hamilton General Hospital to see if they actually took me up on it, because remember, they are all getting paper copies of this piece. Here's what these three law firms could, and I would argue should, do with this particular ad space. First, Let's assume that the firms have chosen to advertise in this specific location because they have data that shows that it's a revenue driver for them. And by the way, if you don't have that data, for crying out loud, cancel the ads. They're distasteful. Go back to the whole ambulance chaser thing if you're still unclear on that. But here's what you need to recognize. Each of the ads comes with a built-in barrier to entry that means that unless I've contacted you while I'm looking at the billboard, I'm going to struggle on some level with how to get in touch with you. And that's likely going to result in a Google search where I might not even end up remembering you at all. In fact, go to one of your competitors. 
And that effect gets multiplied exponentially if I'm trying to remember one of three choices that are all kind of hazy because of the fog of that whole, you know, worst event of my life thing. So to minimize the ick factor of the three ads being shoved in the face of an emotional, vulnerable person, if, again, you're thinking at all about your intended audience as if they were humans worthy of your respect, the three firms could negotiate a deal where they would rotate through the year. Firm A gets the space for a month, and then firm B gets it, etc., or three months, or whatever time they agree to after they're finished doing all that negotiating with each other that makes lawyers so rich to begin with. Take the money that you would have used for the ad space and use it to hire someone good enough to design ads that don't have any barriers to entry and don't have an ick factor. How about that? But here's where I get really crazy. During those months where your firm isn't on the billboard, pay for it anyway. And donate the ad space to a nonprofit that offers help to your intended audience in other ways, like crisis counseling or something else that might be useful to a person who's going through the worst event of their life. Write it off as a charitable donation and look at the hospital as a place where your members of your intended audience go for help, not somewhere that they go so that you can take advantage of them. That does it for episode 10 of The Voice in My Head. Wow, double digits already. Listen, uh, if you want to get together sometime, and if we ever did, and you thought to yourself that I gave you a nugget that was worth maybe picking up the tab for coffee, hey, you can send me a virtual coffee to say thanks. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash knop. Knop is spelled K-N-O-P-P. You can also find a transcript of this episode and a bunch of other goodies at knopstudios.com. And listen... If you got through this episode and any of the others in the series and they've got you thinking to yourself, you know, this guy seems like he's on the ball. Maybe we should have a chat. Okay, maybe we should. My email address, neil, N-E-I-L, at knopstudios.com. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley. <laughs>